Episode 220 of the Bevan James Isles Show. Is it time that you quit? Radio team, welcome along to episode 220 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Uh, today's the Bevan Show, so today I'm doing one of the shows where I just kind of take you through a subject that it's kind of on my mind a lot recently and I'm actually going to do a subject on when you should quit. I'm going to be talking deep about that today because... Uh, I just think it's a really interesting subject and I think a lot of people have maybe got routine in their life which maybe they need to quit and sometimes it's obvious that they need to quit and sometimes it's that actually to evolve more you need to let go of something else to move forward so I've got to dig deeper into that and uh, yeah that's going to be the main gist of the show but I do want to talk quickly about the I've been doing my keep active with Bevan videos that I put on I send out to my database every Sunday night around 6pm New Zealand time and I eventually end up putting them on my social media but I'm pretty Mickey Mouse around that uh, and I put one out last week which I've got a lot of feedback on and I may have talked about this on the show in the past, so I'm just going to quickly touch on it now because I, I sent it out and I got so much feedback coming from people saying, wow, I really needed to hear that right now. And, and the basic premise of this video that I did was how do you deal with stress? Now, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know I've, I've talked a lot about how do you deal with stress, but I kind of broke it down to two ways to look at how you deal with stress. And really, ultimately, what we're trying to do is we, 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 we want to, what we want to understand is that when we are stressed, there's often a cost on our life. That can be lack of sleep, that can be disconnecting with people, it can be poor behaviours like smoking, drinking, eating too much. Uh, it can be unproductive. You know, there's a cost if, if I'm stressed. And for a lot of people, it's a massive cost that comes you know, quite a lot on their life. And then when you think about what's the cost in the long term, like if, if the way I deal with stress is... I eat a lot of food, well then I'm probably going to put on weight and there's probably a physical and emotional cost to putting on weight because that's how I deal with stress. And so obviously if we want to become better at dealing with stress, we've got to have better strategies around that. And I've talked about this a lot in the show, but I just kind of came up with this concept around two ways of looking how you deal with stress. And it's called an outlet or an offload. An outlet or an offload. What is the difference between the two? Well, one thing that I find really fascinating when people who join my running group join my running group is they all end up telling us, particularly people who haven't had any exercise, so if we look at a beginner running group, they all end up telling us that so much their, their mental health is in a much better place because they've had it running into their life. Now, we know that exercise is one of the greatest ways to deal with stress. There's, there's the, the chemicals that get released. There's all that kind of endorphin, all that positive stuff. You have better energy, so you feel better about yourself. There's, there's those types of obvious benefits. But one of the benefits of exercising is it's a moment when you go and do an activity that takes you out of your day. And that's when I talk about what I mean an outlet. An outlet is an activity that takes you away from 
the stress that you have in your head right now. And the way I often define stress, and it's not the, 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 you know, the concrete definition of stress, but it's definitely a good way to think about it, is that often when we're stressed about something, it's like we have that tape deck in our head and we push record, I'm oh, sorry, we push play, rewind, play, rewind, play, rewind. Like think of the last time you had stress in your life. You, I imagine that was the experience. You'd, you'd end up just thinking over and over again about that stress. And interestingly, what tends to happen is the more we sit in that rewind play process, the more emotional that stress becomes, the more it kind of it builds, the more you replay it. And so that's where an offload of stress, or sorry, an outlet with stress is a really good approach. And that's where things like exercise. So if you've got a massive stress in your head and you go to the gym and you jump on the bike and you have a really good session when you're pumping some music or you go to a class or you go for a run or you, you just do some exercise, in that half an hour to an hour of exercise you're doing, you're not thinking about your stress. And for some reason, being able to remove yourself from that rewind play, it just dissolves the emotional overdrive of that place. And often you get to the other side of that activity knowing how to rationally handle the stress you're going through in a much better way. So for example, my, my outlet ways of dealing with stress is exercise, playing my piano, which I've got to mute next to me right here, um, my meditation process, those are ways where it's about me escaping the stress that I'm in and then allowing my head to go somewhere else for a moment. And it's just, I know for me when I do that, if I am in a high stress moment, it just dissolves it. The second way is to offload. And offload is about communicating to somebody in your world. And offloading is pretty obvious. You know, if we can get someone who we can communicate to in a really in a, in a good way where we can feel free to express without judgment and uh, and feel safe in those in the in the ears that we're sharing with, that's also a really good way to deal with stress. Now, the probably the thing I'd put around this area here is when it comes to offloading, you do want to be great at picking the people you want to choose to offload to, because and this is this is no kind of slight on somebody who isn't good at this, but. Some people just don't have very good skills in being a good offload person. And what is a good offload person? Well, a good offload person is somebody who understands that in this moment you just want to express. And their job is just to help you express and to feel understood as you work through this moment. And unfortunately, a lot of people, when we go to offload, they often go to problem solving, so they just want to give you the solutions. Uh, they often just want to share their experiences that are similar. Now. There's nothing wrong with this because your intent's often good, but it maybe not help you in the offload that you need. And so when it comes to finding the offload, what you want to think about is identify people in your life who you know can be absolute rock stars at just being there to offload. Like, interestingly, my wife, her, her dad's a little bit sick right now, and uh, it's, it's a tough time for my wife. And so one thing I'm doing is I'm just letting her talk. I'm not trying to provide solutions. I'm even not trying to give her um, how she should be feeling or, or trying to give her, you know, anything other than just letting her talk and maybe just, you know, showing understanding back to her. Because right now, all she needs is someone safe that she can just feel free to express with. And that's my job as a supportive partner. It's not to provide solutions. It's not to tell her, you know, what's going to happen, it's just to be someone who's there for her. So when it comes to the offload, first of all, who are the people in your friendships or your colleagues who you know are really good 
at just being that person. Then there's a higher level. Then you could see a counsellor, a mentor, a psychiatrist, someone like that who's actually trained and skilled at being somebody who's really good at being an offload outlet for you. Now, obviously, often with those people, there might be financial costs, but if you've got big problems, that's a really good investment in your in yourself. So that was kind of the premise that I talked about, is that when we see stress in our life, and I kind of talked about the process, the process is catch stress, and then think to yourself, how can I use an offload or an outlet to help me dissolve the stress that I'm feeling right now? And this is what's fascinating about both of those processes is that once you've done both of those processes, you still might have the hurdle that you need to overcome in front of you. Like you still might have that hurdle. But for some reason, if you can use an offload or an outlet, you seem more able to handle that hurdle and more rationally know how to get over that hurdle moving forward. So just to recap, catch stress, but when you catch stress, just think, what's an offload or an outlet that I can put myself in right now? Instead of using tools that may be in the past or, or actions that actually come at a cost which create bigger stress in the long term for me. Just want to share that with you because, again, I've got a lot of feedback on that. Also, I've got a lot of feedback on my interview from Cam. And uh, I, I hope you enjoyed that because, geez, I was inspired by that interview. He was absolutely fantastic. Now, before I get into the main gist of the show, I just want to say a big thank you to some of our patrons. These people are people who support the show financially by donating a little bit of their hard-earned money to the show after every every time I release an episode. And uh, these are some of the patrons. Uh, we've got Dean, the cool cube cubie. We've got Rachel walking on sunshine Dubusk. We've got Anna doing it. Dungy, Anna's just had a baby recently. Congratulations, Anna. We've got Amanda, super duper amazing Amanda Coleman Watson. We've got Ali, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, Brown. And we've got Priscilla, love me tender king. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to bevanjamesisles.com, go to my website, click on podcast, click on support me. It'll take you to the patron page and then, yeah, just kind of donate as much or as little as you want each time. Anyway, I'm going to put the music on and we're going to get into the main gist of today's show. In New Zealand, there's a an amazing uh, Paralympian by the name of Sophie Pascal, and she's well, she's definitely New Zealand's top Paralympic athlete. She's won multiple medals, like I think she's won like eight gold medals, silvers and bronze. She's just been in the game for a long time, and is this phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. And she has a coach, which is who is well known within. You know, kind of even in the public now because of her success, but also in swimming circles in my local region, a guy by the called a guy by the name of Rolly Crichton. And when I first started swimming, now he's called Rolly because he's in a wheelchair. And Rolly's this kind of how would I describe Rolly? Uh, a, not a really nice guy, but kind of a bit of a gruff, bit of a hard ass kind of swim coach. Uh, and he's you know, and he kind of rolls beside the pool as you're doing your swims, and you know, he's he's kind of somebody who just doesn't suffer fools. If you know what I mean, like he's he, he's gonna he's gonna call a spade a spade. He's gonna expect a lot out of you, but he's also gonna get a lot out of you. And he's a, he's a very very good swimming coach. And when I first started triathlons, this is a long time ago now, but when I first started triathlon, I could never swim. So I was the kind of person who I wasn't gonna drown when I went to the beach. I could turn my arms over, but I'd never done like a whole lap of a swimming pool in my life. So I wasn't. And, and to be honest, in this moment in my life, I didn't really even love swimming. Like it was. When I went to the beach, I was never someone who went and tried to catch waves for hours. It was never really my buzz. So when I first started swimming, I went to my local swimming pool because that's where all the triathletes were. And there was a swimming pool called QE2. 
And Rolly Crichton was taking the swim squads at the time. So if you don't know much about swimming, often what will happen is you'll get, at a certain time of day, a pool will block out a few lanes. This Q2 had quite a few lanes, but they'd block out like four or half the lanes. And then a swim coach would basically get a whiteboard, write up what all the different lanes are doing. So you'd have like an easy lane right through to the advanced lane. And then he'd be guiding you through the sessions as you went through the session. And I started doing these sessions with Rolly. Now at this stage, I was very much, I wouldn't say, well, I was a beginner as in a triathlete, but you know, I was a very fit man. So I was kind of just trying to develop my skills as a swimmer so I could become good at swimming in Ironman. And Rolly was an important part of that first part of my process. And I, I will be honest with you guys, swimming never really became a passion for me. Like, I'm glad I did my time in Ironman because I became a good swimmer and my swimming skills nowadays, you know, nowadays I am the kid who goes to the beach. Well, I'm not really a kid if I'm going to be honest, but I am the person who goes to the beach and just loves getting in the water, catching waves, swimming. I love the fact when I, you know, if I, I'll swim from one point to another and just, you know, I love the fact I have these swimming skills that I developed through that time. So I'm glad I had that period in my life. But if it came to exercise, I'm never going to go, let's go to the pool today as my first choice of exercise. It's, you know, once I gave up triathlon, I haven't really done organised swimming since. And Rawley was a big part of that journey. And I remember one day in particular that was a really fascinating day. So at this moment, I've probably been doing triathlon for about 10 months I'm, I'm get, becoming a better swimming, and as much as I never was passionate about swimming, I was getting to that point where I was enjoying the process, I was enjoying seeing growth, I was enjoying the learning, so I was in that place where I was kind of in that thriving place with swimming. And one morning, and it, it, swim squads are like early morning, so I think we used to start at like 5.30, you kind of roll along to the pool, everyone's kind of half awake and then you get in the water and start your squad. And one morning, I was doing a swim squad, and I must have had a long break, I can't remember what it was, I might have had like a two minute rest in between sets. And we'd started the session at like 5.30, let's just, I can't remember exactly, but let's just say it's 5.30, and we're about 20 minutes into the session, and two, this young guy kind of starts walking towards the pool about 20 minutes late. Now, at this stage, I didn't know many people within the swim squad. Like, I kind of got to know a few people in my lane, and at this stage, you kind of had fast, medium, slow, and very slow, and at this stage, I was probably in a slow lane. By the end, I, I kind of just got to fast, but not for very long, but I was kind of often, I was often kind of in the second lane down from fast. But at this stage, I was kind of in the slow lane, and so we had this long break, and as I'm kind of just waiting in my break, this guy kind of moses on up, and I didn't know who this kid was. You, you know, you, I didn't, I didn't know him from Bar of Soap. But it turns out this kid had been one of the top swimmers in our region, maybe even nationally, but at this stage I didn't know who he was. And he walks up to the pool, and he kind of moses along, and Ro Roly starts having a go at him. Like, Roly starts, like, going, going off at him. And, and I was kind of fascinated because I was like, what's happening here? Like... You know, what, what's all this about? Why is Rolly going off this kid? Because I didn't know who this kid was. And after the fact, I learned again that he was a real top end swimmer. And Rolly starts going off with him because he starts saying, mate, either you quit or you're going to turn up properly. Because turning up 20 minutes to a session is just showing that you've, you've lost the passion, you don't care, you hardly ever come to sessions nowadays. When you turn up, you're turning up late, you know, why are you even here? And that was basically what he was saying. He, he kind of went off with him, just kind of saying, you're not being who you want to be. And fundamentally what Rowley said to him was, and, and he was identifying his behaviours that, you know, I imagine when this guy was at his elite, he would have turned up to every session, he was on time, he was probably hitting objectives as training, you know, he was absolutely smashing it out. 
But now he wasn't turning up. He's turning up half-assed. He was turning up late. You know, I don't know what he's doing in the session, but I can't imagine he was smashing the session. And Roland being the good coach that he was, because as much as I didn't really know what was happening, and it did seem quite harsh, Roly was actually pulling this kid up. And he was saying, it's, it's a moment for you to really assess what you're doing. And if, if you're not willing to be the level that you have been in the past, maybe it's time that you quit. And I've got to be honest, I, I, now, I, this is a while ago, but I, I, I don't think the kid came back to the pool. Now, in some ways, you could look at Roly and you could kind of say, wow, maybe, maybe Roly did the wrong thing. Maybe he should have inspired this kid to keep at it, to help him find goals and stuff like that. But sometimes in life, we need to quit. Like sometimes in life, we should quit. There's, there's activities in our life that we should quit. And when I'm talking about here, like I'm not talking about giving up smoking today. I'm not talking about um, drinking alcohol if you know you've got a drinking problem. I'm not talking about overeating. I'm not talking about the obvious bad behaviours. I'm talking about quitting things that we have in our life because we've done them for a long time, but actually we're no longer growing with them. And the kid who was walking up to that pool 20 minutes late Rowley had identified that this person either needed to, to find a new goal and, and sharpen up or quit. But I think Rowley deep down knew that the kid just needed to quit. And that's what we're going to dig into today. Actually, right now, around this kind of area, have you got an area of your life that you know you need to quit? And I'm not, again, I'm not talking about the smoking, the drinking, the bad behavior, just an area of your life that you've kept up doing but you're no longer getting the most out of yourself. And maybe it's it's time that you actually quit on top of that. And one of the reasons we want to quit is we, if we can use that time and that activity that we're actually not getting anything out of in a more powerful way in different areas, what can we do with that? And that's what we want to think about. But I suppose I'm going to, I'm going to take you through a series of questions just to kind of work through today. So maybe as you, as you, if you are listening to this and you are, if you have identified one area that maybe you're contemplating as I throw this at you, that maybe it is that I quit this thing in my life. The first question I've got to throw at you is, is it time for you to quit? Now, I've already kind of asked that, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just you need to refocus and get some goals in place. So the first question is, if you are contemplating quitting in this area, do you actually need to quit? Or do you just need to find your focus to reset and find some goals that are going to help you evolve in that area? You know, I've been talking a lot recently on this show about the model that I came up in my latest book around that kind of four types of exercises, the non-exerciser, the yo-yo, the, the person who has a routine but doesn't get growth, and the thriver. You know, if we're using exercise as the example today, have you been got a routine that you stick to and, you, you know, you do it every every week, same in back, week in, week out, but actually it hasn't really evolved and you haven't really seen any progress and you haven't seen any growth or, or um, any results in the last period of time. Is it that you need to quit and do something totally new? Or is it just that you need to get some goals in place in this area? Because I'm not, today's show is not saying you have to quit this thing. It's just, let's do this assessment. So the first thing is, do you need to quit in one area? Or do you just need to refocus in that area? And if the answer to that is, I just need to refocus and set some targets, set some growth and find that higher level self, well then what do you need to do right now to get that in place? And I'm not going to dig too deep in that today because that's not what it's really about. The second thing that's probably the really most important thing is, is when we talk about quitting, we want to identify what we're quitting and what we're not quitting. 
And this is a really important concept I want to go into here because, you know, if we think of, if I think of that conversation Rowley had with the kid by the pool, and I don't know what happened post that conversation, if, if in some ways if Rowley had just kind of said to that kid, you should quit and leave him alone, I, you know, I probably think Rowley could have done a better job. But I don't know if afterwards Rowley got in contact with the kid or he had a chat to him and um, talked to a higher level. But really what we're saying is we're not quitting growth and evolution we're just quitting the activity that will find us in this place or help us get to that place. And I would, I've, I, my example of this is when I did Ironman Triathlon. So I did Ironman Triathlon for seven years. I was growing, evolving, learning so much about myself, got to a real high level. And then I got to that moment where I knew I was going to become a routine. And, and ultimately, I was just going to sit in the same place for the next period of my life. And it was obvious that I needed to quit triathlon. Also, Ironman was just a, a high demand on a life kind of sport. You know, it's, it's really hard on your relationships. It's really hard on your career. Um, you know, it's just a very consuming sport. So I knew I needed to quit, A, because I was kind of, the growth wasn't that much in front of me. And B, it was just not a very good fit for my life. But one thing I wasn't doing is I wasn't quitting growing or evolving myself as a person. And so that's why as soon as I gave up Ironman, I then started playing piano. Now, I'd been playing a little bit of piano earlier in my life for about a year or so, but I couldn't fit it in around my Ironman lifestyle. So what I was quitting at that moment was the activity that gave me growth and evolution of the self, and that was the Ironman sport, but I wasn't quitting the growth and the evolution of myself. All I did was change the activity that would do that for me. And I've often talked about how by going to piano at that time in my life, and I still kept activity up in my life at that moment, but by going to piano at that time in my life, I've learned so much more about myself, which I just wouldn't have learned in triathlon if I just kept doing triathlon in that moment in my life. So that was a really good moment for me to quit the activity, but keep the evolution of my growth and the evolution of self. So I just want to really clarify that because if we go back to Rowley's example, what we don't want is that kid just quit exercise and just kind of, you know, you know, become unhealthy and unfit and, and lazy and all the rest of it. What we want is, is that kid to go, you know what? I love evolution and growth, but swimming just can't provide that for me anymore because I've, I've been there, done that. So what's a new activity that I can find? Actually, I think of a good friend of mine, Lisa Osborne, who's, you know, she's a really good example. Lisa Osborne is one of the world leading fitness professionals. She's one of Les Mills's, you know, massive stars. Uh, Lisa was a world aerobics fitness champion, world champ, and you watch the videos of her when she was doing her thing. I've interviewed her on the show in the past, so I'm sure you've listened to it. Uh, she was an absolute rock star. Then she came into the fitness world, teaching with Les Mills, and became one of the biggest figures in the world for that. Uh, she's still massively in Les Mills, but she knew after a while that she was no longer growing in that area, and so then she started CrossFit. Now, Lisa's gone, Lisa's gone to the World CrossFit Games. She's you know, qualified second in the world, I think, in the CrossFit Games, and maybe got top 10 or top 20 in the world in the CrossFit Games. So she's a really good example of this. She's quit activities. It's always been movement in her life, but as she's quit activities, she's then moved on to a new thing, which has ultimately grow, grown and evolved her. And she's never quit. She's just quit the activities. And I, it's a real clear thing that I want you to take away from today. So if, if we go back to when before I said to you, have you got a thing in your life that you need to quit? Well, it might be that that, that activity is no longer providing you with the growth, the evolution, the challenge, you know, the things that you want from that activity, and that's the reason to quit. 
But it's it's not that you just quit and then you're, you're sitting in front of Netflix all day and watch Netflix for the rest of your life. It's then you replace. And that kind of goes on to the next thing. Is, well, what do you replace it with? And this is a pretty tough answer to question, a question to answer because I, I, I can't really give you an answer, but I can give you some ideas around how to think about this. First of all, you could do my discovery period. And actually, interesting, we've got this lovely, lovely runner called Lee. Lee's been running with us for a long time. Uh, an amazing, amazing runner. She's ran marathon, many, many marathons. Always kind of places in her age group. Uh, disciplined athlete. Lovely, lovely lady. Um, and she's ran with us for a really long time. And recently, she's retired. And retirement's a really interesting moment because in retirement, you're suddenly time rich. And time rich in a way which is a massive overload of time. It's not like you've just gained five hours a week, which means you can kind of put a bit more exercise in. It's like you've gained 30, 40 hours a week. And she was, I was talking to, I've been talking to her a little bit recently because she was just saying how she's just a little bit lost. And uh, not fundamentally lost, it's just a bit like, you know, suddenly she's time rich and how's she going to use this time? And I've, my recommendation with her, with her was just to, to try some stuff. And that could be one thing that you can do at this time is if you, let's say you've, you've been a cyclist and you've exercised 10 hours a week for the last 10 years and you know you, you need to quit cycling, but you don't want to quit growing. So then where can you use, where can you spend some time finding some new areas to explore? It might be that you try some CrossFit, you try a swim squad, you might try a dance class, you might try, you know, whatever it is. So one way to approach this time is just a discovery time is just spending some time throwing some mud at the wall seeing if if any of those things stick for you as you move forward another approach is to think of the activity that maybe you've always known you've wanted to do for me when i was doing iron man it was piano like i've always had a bit of a music bug within me and when i was doing triathlon I just didn't have the time or energy to be able to play music. So for me, there was always a bit of a longing within me to, to have that time in my day to just play music. And that's, you know, and, and was, so for me, it wasn't like once I gave up Iron Man, it was never, well, I need to do a discovery period. It was, oh, now I'm going to jump onto that thing. So it might be that you know within yourself there is that activity that maybe you've always wanted to try. And and interestingly, for me, it wasn't a sport replacement. Now, for me, my job is fitness, so I'm always going to be pretty active. But for me, my replacement was a create a creative replacement. And that's okay as well. Like, I know this is a fitness podcast, but sometimes your evolution isn't going to be in in the same area as well. Now, if you're moving away, let's say you've been an athlete and you're moving away from athletes and you want to become a creative person, I would still say, how do you still keep a healthy level of exercise in your life? That's probably something you want to think about. But a good example is, I think I may have put this interview, we've got a guy called Peter Reed, whom, if I haven't put this interview up, I should one day. Peter Reed was, um, I'm just searching for all the old shows, I don't, I don't think I have. Peter, I interviewed him on my other podcast. He's one of the greatest triathletes of all time. Uh, I, I've probably talked about this, but we interviewed him. Here's a really fascinating story. We interviewed Peter Reed. He won Ironman World Championships three times. Beast of an athlete. And Peter Reed, here's a fascinating story. So he was just known as being tough. You know, you're, like if you're a professional triathlete, you're tough anyway. But then to win the World Championship three times, you are just tough. And Peter Reed was that person. And 
it's a really interesting story because when we interviewed him, this is kind of his end of career interview, and we said, what, you know, because he kind of won three, and then he was still young enough to win a few more, and he kind of did a couple more and then kind of quit the sport, and, and no one kind of could figure out why. And we're asking him, we said, what happened in that last moment in your career? Because technically, you, you probably had a few more years than you. you. You know, technically, you probably still could have won a couple more world championships. And what happened? And he said, well, my father always led with disappointment. My father always made me feel that I wasn't good enough. And so for me to be the athlete was, you know, for me, it was always about like a big F you to my father. It was always like, I'm going to prove that I'm a great person, and you know, you're totally wrong. And he said, after he won his third world championship, his father wrote him a letter saying, I actually see how great you are as a person, and I'm sorry that I haven't seen this before, and I'm sorry I got it wrong. And Peter Reed said, as soon as I got that letter, I was no longer the athlete I'd always been, because I didn't need to prove anything. And I, I, man, I always find that interesting when you look at it. But Peter Reed's a really good example. Peter Reed was an elite, passionate, growing, evolving athlete to the highest level. His father sends him his letter, his, his shift in life changed, and he always wanted to be a pilot. And nowadays, he's a pilot. He, he pretty much quit the sport. And he's one of those athletes that, you know, a lot of athletes, they leave, the, they quit their professional career, but they always have a presence in the sport post. Well, Peter Reed quit the sport, and no one really ever heard from him again. And and that's because he went on to a new thing in life. He went on to a new passion. He always wanted to be a pilot. He went on and trained to be a pilot, and that's what he does right now. And that's what I'm meaning right now, is that quit, quitting the activity doesn't always have to mean that you it has to be exercises that you replace it with. It's, it's The key thing is it's that it's growth and evolving within yourself. Now, again, like I said before, the only thing I would say on top of that is just to make sure if you are moving away from exercise as the main driver for your growth and evolution, do make sure that you keep some exercise in your life, obviously. Um, then what you want to think about is what's your growth pathway in that area. Now, one thing I think is really important to accept is you have to go into the area understanding you're a beginner. And, you know, like think of me, my piano experience. I went from being a pretty elite triathlete, you know, like in, in most races I was turning up in the last point of my career, I was kind of a top 20 athlete. And so I went from being a guy who was respected, high level, you know, knew the game really well, to being a total new piano player. And it's really important in these moments just to understand where you sit in the new area you're going into. Because often what you find is high-level people as they go into new areas, it can be a disappointing experience because they just want to be better than what they can be based on where their skill development is and the levels they know within themselves. So with this in mind, it's, it's just probably probably a couple of things actually. Surround yourself in the new world. You know, so find guiders. So like for me, I've got piano tutors, um, surrounding myself with musicians, all those types of things. So surround yourself in your world and get people who can guide you because that will be really important to help you develop a, a wise growth pathway. Now, there'll be some things because you're a high-level person that means you'll be able to bring across. So like when I went into from Iron Man to piano, there were things that I, I could take from Iron Man, character traits that I could bring into piano that were going to be really helpful. But also we do want to make sure that we are just being wise in your growth pathway because often experienced people in one area kind of push too fast and set themselves up to fail. So it's probably the next thing to think about. And then enjoy being a beginner again. Like enjoy 
you know, like I always love it when you see people kind of, you know, like my runner's experience is a good one. They run 5K the first time and you see that possibility and they work towards running 10Ks and, and they, they, you know, they grow as a person. And they do a half marathon, they grow, and they do a marathon, they grow and kind of enjoy the new place that you are in in life. And that, that's done by showing your growth, it's done by skill development, it's done by new camaraderies, new friendships. Uh, and probably probably the last thing, and kind of immerse yourself in that world as well. So if let's say you've gone into, I don't know, you started cycling as your new activity, well, start watching the Tour de France. You know, start getting immersed in that world. Because the more you can get immersed in that world, the more successful you'll be in embracing the new world you give in your life. So why is all this important? Well, we don't want to get stuck in Groundhog Day and we don't want to get in that place where we're no longer evolving. And sometimes the habits we have from our past, which used to provide us a lot of growth and evolution, can become habits which ultimately are limiting further growth and development moving forward. And if you just stay in the habits you have from the past, which in fairness to you, it might not be terrible. Like it's not that it's bad things for you. It's just that there's this other pathway right beside you that could evolve you in much more exciting ways. And if you just hold on to that thing you did from the past because that's what you know, that's probably not good enough reason to continue on that thing. And saying that, you do need to go through this quite wisely. You just shouldn't quit. Like you just shouldn't quit. You should actually develop a plan it would work you from one thing to the next and it might be you know like if we go back to that swim person if we go right back to start with Rowley and that swim kid that, that swim kid might have said well you know what I'm going to keep swimming but I'm, I'm just going to three sessions a week kind of like to keep my fitness up but I'm going to explore some other fitness kind of types of exercise over the next period of time and with that then I can kind of see what I like and then as I find that thing that's when I'm going to move away from swimming that's kind of the approach you want to have. And then think of those things of, I'm not quitting, I'm just quitting the activity. I'm not quitting growth and evolution, I'm just quitting the activity. Finding the thing to replace it with, then developing a wise plan with good people around you so you develop your skills, your experiences, so you can become a high level person, and then just love the new thing you're in. And then probably ultimately, is just be aware in the future when the new thing becomes the old thing. Because that's life, that's going to happen. You know, if I go back to Lisa Osborne, she was an aerobics champ. She's competitive. She travelled the world. That was her job, just travelling the world, competing as aerobic championship competitions. And then she went to Lisa Wells, and she said that was her world. And she's still in Lisa Wells now, but then she went into CrossFit. And her life has been filled with these exercise activities that have continued to grow and evolve her as a person. So, and I imagine Lisa, one day in the future, might go, Hmm, CrossFit no longer does it for me, but I guarantee there'll be another type of movement, goal, and growth that she'll work towards because she's figured this out really well. So in the future, even after you've found this new activity, just be aware of, hmm, maybe what are the triggers that show me that I need to quit this thing as well. Now, lastly, maybe you don't need to quit as well. Maybe you just need to refocus. But if you do know you need to quit, that's a good process for you to think about. Now, as I, I just kind of always wrap this up with this. If you can do that, you'll be a higher level version of yourself. Alrighty, I'll tell you, hopefully you got something out of that, and if you've got that era in your life, uh, probably one thing I haven't talked about is, it does take a bit of courage. Like, it does take a bit of courage to quit, and, and that's why I'm not a big into that kind of jump off quit, um, that to 
give a bit of a pathway. There's that question, there's a really interesting question that goes, you know, um, a lot of personal trainers when they first start out is should you work part-time or should you just go all in? You know, so like the argument is that if you're working part-time, let's say you're, you know, you're starting off as a personal trainer, you know, it's a self-employed job, so you've got a, well, in most, a lot of gyms is, is, is at least. So should you just quit you know, anything you earn, which means you're going to be 100% committed to earn, you know, to being the best you can because you need to, you need to be successful. So it's like by, by going in all in, you're going to be so desperate, you're going to do work that maybe you wouldn't have done if you had a safety net. Instead, maybe, you know, you work part-time at a supermarket 20 hours a week, earning bugger all, but it gives you a safety net, which means you can build your business slower. Now, different people have different arguments around this, but there was a book that came out a few years ago called Originals, I think it was. Brilliant book, brilliant book, kind of around creative people and uh, just the processes that help them. But they were a real big component that you shouldn't do the all-in approach. They were, they were more of the, the thinking that really what you should do is you should build kind of jumping off moments. And jumping off moments is that kind of, you know, let's say using that personal trainer example, you know, you do have a part-time job that's 30 hours a week and you, at first you just kind of aim to get five clients a week that you can work, you know, so you first, you know, then, okay, then once you get five, you're, you're jumping off as you jump off 10 hours of that work at the supermarket down to 20 hours. And then you aim to get, you know, 10, 10 15 clients. And then once you've got 10, 15, then you do the next jumping off point. And I like that idea, you know, because I get the idea of, you know, you go all in, you're going to be more motivated. But often motivation isn't all you need. So like when we think about, you know, just because you're motivated doesn't mean you understand how to be successful. And when we can have a longer runway to figure out how to be successful, there's a higher chance we'll be successful. So let's go back to that personal trainer example. If someone is, you know, doing 30 hours a week at, you know, a pretty low-skilled kind of supermarket job, but they're just aiming to get five personal training clients, and they've got the safety net that, you know, they don't need that money to make it work, but but they're disciplined as well because, you know, they do need to make sure that of that time they give themselves they're really smashing. But let's say they can do that. They're going to learn some really important lessons in getting those five clients. They're going to learn really important lessons around how to get clients, how to look after your clients, how to manage clients, and so on, how to train clients. And then they go, okay, well, let's do my next jumping off point. So then they go, okay, well, let's go back to 20 hours a week and try to get my 10, 15. And then that next moment, they're going to learn other lessons. And so what they're doing is that they're not just jump, you know, they're giving themselves a safer pathway, but they're also giving themselves time to learn the lessons or, or, or giving themselves, you know, a lot more time to learn the lessons that are going to help them make successful in the long term. Whereas if you go with the all-in approach, sure, you might be motivated because jeepers, creepers, you need to make some money, but you might not last like I've, to be honest I've worked at a gym for years the amount of PTs I've seen last less than two months is mind blowing I've seen PTs last two weeks because it's hard in that first period and as much as they might be motivated to get new clients they just don't have the time frame to learn the lessons that are going to help them be successful along the way and so when we think of that kind of jumping off thing is it does take courage and that's why that approach of like what I was talking about the swimming kid is maybe keep swimming up three times a week but then try some other things and then as you kind of let's say just crossfits in my head uh, let's say he this kid did three swims a week and you know traditionally he would exercise seven days a week or six days a week but he's going to do three swims which is just keeping a base of fitness he's going to explore everything after a while he finds crossfit and then he ends up going to crossfit three times a week and then 
you know what? Swimming starts to fall away. And it might be that swimming quits straight away or it might be goes down to one swim a week and so on. I like the idea of allowing yourself a transition period where A, it gets you to learn the lessons and B, it creates a better, better safety net for you to move forward. So just some, some another thing for you to think around that. But it does take courage. And that's why it's that whole, the, the, probably the one thing I want you to take away from today is you're not quitting growth and evolution, you're just quitting the activity, but you're finding the wisest way to do that up to set yourself up for success in the long term. That's pretty much today's show done. And does it got anything else to mention? One thing I have been, you know, actually I have got something else to mention. This is just a total quick side note. Uh, or oh, maybe I'll do this. Oh, I'll, I'll quickly talk about this. Don't get caught up in the minutiae of starting. And maybe I should even do a whole podcast on this. I, I, I've done my book. It's at the publisher right now. They're going through all the publishing process. Hopefully it's going to be out April, March, April. That's the kind of, kind of the, where we've penciled. But I'm creating a course that goes alongside the book. And uh, I've created a filming studio in my office right now. If, like, if you can see my office right now, I've got a big blackout sheet so I can't even see outside my windows. I've got three different lights around me. I've got made my background look beautiful um, because I'm doing a course that's kind of the higher level for people who want to bring passion to exercise in their life. And the course is going to have about 50 hours of video in it. So it's a lot of video that I need to do in the next moment of time. And I needed to get my studio set up. And I gave myself a three-week time period to do this. So I needed to get all the gear, I needed to get some education, I need to, so on and so on. Now, a lot of people, and, and I just want to share this because I'm kind of proud of myself, <laughs> uh, but a lot of people, they don't start things because they get caught up in the minutiae of what they need to do before they start. And so, for example, with this video course, I basically had to, again, get the gear, learn what gear I need, learn how to put the gear in the right place, learn how to create a good studio, learn sound, learn video and stuff like that and a three-week period wasn't much so first thing I did is I got a, a guy I know called Sonny who's really good at this stuff he came around he was an absolute rock star he came around to my house and brought his gear and said here's what you need here's what you need to do here and here so that was fast then when it came to the gear I could have spent hours and hours and hours just trying to find the gear getting confused I rang some shop the guy I said here's what I think I need based on what Sonny's recommended he said, here's, yep, you're pretty much 90% here. Here's a couple of other things to think about. Lock it in, put it in place. And then I started filming. So I gave myself a three-week time frame. Last week was where it finished, and I started filming straight away. Now, why am I sharing this with you? The key is you start. And often when people want to do things is they spend so much time on what you need before you start that they don't actually start. Now, in my situation, I did need the gear before I started. But for example, let's say you want to bring a sporting activity into your life. Let's say you want to do cycling. And you've done your, you know, you start to look at road bikes. You want to do a road bike race, let's say. So you spend three months trying to find a road bike, but you don't actually ride a bike. Well, the most important thing you probably need to do is get on a bike. And at first you might ride some old tinny bike you've got in your garage, but that's okay because you're starting. And we just want to be careful when we are trying to bring activities into our life. And I suppose this fits a little bit with today, is that we don't get caught up in the things we have to do before we start. The most important thing is that we start and then we can add as we progress down the line. And a good thing to think about is what's the minimal level that I need to start and how do I make it as easy as possible for me to get that in place? And my, my little studio setup here is a good example of that. I've gone pretty low end with my gear, but 
for what I'm trying to produce, it, it does a great job. Now, I could have spent thousands, I could have become a much more advanced person in my skills and understanding in this area. But A, it's not a skill I want in the long term. And B, it would just mean that I wouldn't start for another three or four months. So I just didn't need that skill level and I just didn't need that much gear. The gear that I got was perfect. The skill level I developed was perfect. And that's what got me started. And so I just want to share that for you because it's kind of something else to think about. <laughs> anyway, uh, I just want to say if you want to become a patron of the show to go to bevanjamesisles.com. When you become a patron, you get a cool nickname to support me with my show. And again, for those who are patrons, thank you very much. If you want to get my videos that I send out each week, go to keepactivewithbevan.co.nz. Put your email information in. I'll send that out each week to you. And I'll be back. I'll spread the love about the show to on the podcatchers, the people you know. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode of the Bevan James Oh Show. I'll see you then. Oh, what did I say? Keep being you. See ya. Thank you.